Thanks for joining us again. We're going to begin our study today, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, once again. Father, as we open your word, uh, bless your word to our hearts. May we listen to it carefully, and may it uh, impact our lives. In Christ's name, amen. We left off uh, yesterday's study. We left off with the question, uh, when is this fullness of times? We suggested to you from verse 10, uh, where it says, in the dispensation of the fullness of times, now as we mentioned, the NIV has to be put into effect, and it's the word oikonomia, the dispensation of the fullness of times, uh, they will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, that is Christ. And so the question is, when is this uh, fullness of time? When is this dispensation, if, if we are talking about eras of God's management, uh, his economy, his economy of how he manages his household and his plan of salvation. When is this? And I'd like to suggest there are uh, two possibilities. The first one is the Messianic kingdom. And our uh, this, of course, is, is prophesied throughout the Old Testament. And it's during this Messianic kingdom that all the dispensations, the earthly dispensations before the new heavens and earth, the earthly history of God's salvation plan finds its fulfillment and its uh, completion. The key passage, one of the key passages, of course, is Revelation chapter 20. And the reason we call it the, the millennial kingdom is because six times in this passage, we have the phrase 1,000 years, six times. Uh, and so we take that literally. We take a view of scripture that take as literal as possible. And during this millennial kingdom, uh, in chapter 20, in verse 4, I saw this is after Satan is thrown into the, the pit for a thousand years. And it says, I saw the thrones on which were sealed, uh, seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus. And it talks about how they had not worshipped and, and they came back to life. And then we see uh, that um, verse, verse 6, Blessed and holy are those who have a part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them but they will be priests of God and Christ and of Christ and will reign with him for 1,000 years. And this clearly would be in fulfillment of both, as I said here, this is the summation in Christ. This is the, uh, the fulfillment, the summation, and this fits the Old Testament, the Gospels, and the book of Revelation, the expectations that these earthly ages, these earthly dispensations, God's translation, Salvation comes to fruition and completion during this time. I'd like to suggest to you, if you have a Schofield Reference Bible, you will see the note in Ephesians. Uh, we'll point you to uh, the note in Revelation chapter 20. And I would suggest you read uh, the note for Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, as he goes into much more detail about that. If you don't have a Schofield Reference Bible, they're easily obtainable. And you can get it in any the major translations that you want. It's the Schofield notes with that translation. Uh, this is the NIV uh, Schofield Bible I'm using here. I have, of course, an ESV, King James, New RSV, um, so you can get those in any translation. So I, I want to suggest to you, this is my own personal belief, that the dispensation of the fullness of times, that Schofield is right, is the kingdom age, because at the end of it, we have completed uh, God's plan of salvation on earth. And then, of course, the next, op the next alternative would be it is um, the new heavens and new earth. And that would be found in Revelation chapter 21, where John says, I saw new heavens and a new earth, the old had passed away. And God has this, this new Jerusalem coming down from heavens. That's the other possibility one could, could say. It just seems that to me with the idea of the summation in Christ, that everything is, is summed up 
uh, in Christ, that, that he's reigning on earth during that time. It fits all the Old Testament prophecies. And we have the prophecies during this time as well. Um, for example, in Isaiah chapter 11, and we have these really well-known uh, prophecies and beautiful prophecies of the kingdom era during this, uh, last, this last dispensation of the millennial kingdom. And uh, in Isaiah chapter 11, for example, we, we read this, begins, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, speaking of the Messiah. And then we have this passage in verse 6, the wolf will lie down, will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. Verse 8, an infant will play near the hole of a cobra, and the young child put his hand in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy it on my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples, the nations will rally to him. And I know this is really amazing. I mean, you think about just the food chain in nature and the animal kingdom. To read these passages is, is pretty amazing to think of this happening. Even more amazing is when Isaiah also tells us that they will study war no more. They will beat their swords into plowshares. When does that ever happen? Uh, go back to the time of Cain and Abel. When does that ever happen? That's going to be the most miraculous thing to think. There will be no war violence on earth during that time while the Messiah, Jesus Christ, reigns on earth and all things are summed up in him. So that seems to me to fit this idea of the, of the fullness, the dispensation of the fullness of times. But as I mentioned, you could also make a point that it's the time of the new heavens and the new earth. So you think about that. Well, let's move on to our next verse. And uh, verse 11 and uh, back to Ephesians chapter 1, we want to look at verses 11 and 12 today as we move partly into verse 13. In him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So our, our main topic here is God's purpose and will. God's purpose and will. And we're back to uh, these words that we saw earlier uh, chosen and predestined, and but I want to uh, to make a note here. We are we are made in heritage of God. When He says here uh, in this in this verse that uh, in Him we were we were chosen, having been predestinated according to the plan, works so everything conforming to His will. We the idea of chosen here has the idea of of uh, of this heritage of being of being called to uh, a heritage. And that uh, this idea of, I want to suggest we are God's heritage. We are God's possession. Our, yes, we have become in, uh, joint heirs of Christ, but we are God's heritage. And this word here that's used for chosen, in the Old Testament, the Greek word that translates it in the Old, the Old Testament word, and many commentators note this, has the idea of chosen by lot. Now, you know the casting of lots. You might think of casting dice, for example, or something. But the casting of Lot in the Old Testament, it was not random choice. When that was used, for example, when Jonah uh, was, uh, they cast lots to see who was, who was responsible for the storm that was threatening their lives, and Jonah won, if you will. That was not a random thing. Obviously, God used that for his, for his choice. And so you see this uh, in the Old Testament. That the, and the idea is, this idea of Lot also becomes the, this phrase that, that we are that Israel was 
God's portion, God's lot. And we use that term that God is our portion. So this idea that chosen, called by lot, if you will, is not a random thing, but it's something that has to do with being possessed of. We are God's heritage. I think that's a good way to put it. As one of the commentators, a honer in his commentary in Ephesians made a point of this. So we are God's heritage. So we're back to these words of chosen and predestined, which we had earlier, we, we talked quite a bit about. But then we have the idea of the, the important thing when it comes to, we talk about predestined, we don't want to get, we don't want to lose sight of the importance of predestined for. What are we predestined for? And it tells you there in verse 11, we are predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with his purpose and his will. We are, pre, we are predestined for God. We are God's chosen lot and we are, we are, we are predestined to bring honor and praise to God, praise and glory to God, according to the purpose and plan of his will. And I want you to notice as it says here that it, this idea of God's intelligent work and plan carrying out the plan. Um, this is really important that this is, God has his plan of salvation before the foundation of the earth. It's his plan and his purpose and he is carrying it out. He is carrying it out. And in fact, when it says here, working out uh, his own purpose, and the word there for working out, energeto, well, obviously we get the word energy from. And I want you, for example, notice in verse in chapter 1 and verse um, 19 and 20, if you just go across the page here, I'll jump in the middle of a thought here, and his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. We'll come back to that in, in, in our next couple lessons here. We'll get to that passage. This idea of energy, I just I want to I want to make a point here. Just to remind you that you know God is not the Bible clearly says God didn't just wind up his plan like a clock and then walk away and leave it as some agnostics and other things. The Bible clearly says God is continually, and the word here is this idea of continually working out. God is continually today exerting his energy to work out his plan and his purpose. God is at work in our world today. God is at work in my life and in your life. He is a God, uh, not just of, of, of hit old ancient history, but of our history. He is at work today and everything that's going on in the world today, God is at work. God is here. God is at work. He is continually exerting energy, working out all things according to his purpose and to his plan. So we come into verse 12, where Paul says, in order that, the purpose that, in order that, we who were the first to hope might be for the praise of his glory. This is the purpose. Just don't lose sight of the purpose of his calling, the purpose of his choosing, the purpose of his energy working and continuing working is for the that we would be a part that i would be a part and you would be a part the praise to his glory it is interesting paul you notice paul says here we who were the first to hope in christ and it does raise the question who is he referring to here because you'll notice in verse 13 which we'll take in our next next lesson he says and you also, you also were included. So it says like we were the first, you also were included, like you were the second. So it does raise the question. Some have suggested that he is talking about the Jews here. He, Paul is the Jew, that we as the Jews were the first to hope in Christ, and then you as Gentiles 
also. I personally don't think that fits with the tenor of, of Paul's epistle here because we're going to see he makes a point of this idea that Jew and Gentile, when the body of Christ began, we believe with the, with the calling up of the Apostle Paul to take the message to the Gentile world, uh, it began, it, it was for everyone. It was not, um, you know, Jew and then Gentile. It was for everyone. He makes a real point in chapter 2 of explaining the body of Christ today and all who come to faith in Jesus Christ during this dispensation of the body of Christ are equally one in Christ through simple faith in Jesus Christ apart from any works of the law. So I don't quite see the idea that, you know, we being Jews and you, the Gentiles. I think it's more of just what we call an epistolatory kind of greeting and uh, an address. We, it'd be like if a missionary went and started a work, a brand new work in a country, and his work grew and they wrote back and said, you know, we were the first to, to, to be in Christ and now you've joined us. I think it's this idea of unity. We, we were first, you became part of this, together we are one, and again to the praise of the glory of his grace. Let's read that verse, let's read that verse 12 again. In order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory, and you also were included in Christ, which means that you also were to the praise of God's glory. As we wrap up this uh, session, I just want to stop here and, and just remind us of this. This is really important. I think especially today, as we think of all the events going on in the world, always the uncertainties and maybe the fears and the challenges, and uh, to just to, to remind us that God is continually uh, working all things according to his plan. He is at work now. He did not wind it up, let it go, and it just happens. He is, he is, is happening because God is exerting energy right now in accomplishing his purpose. Let's say, as we talk, people are coming to Christ for salvation all over the world. And Paul says that energy is like the energy that worked in raising Christ from the dead. Every time somebody is saved, God is continually working according to his plan and purpose. And that should give us hope and encouragement in these days. It's for the praise of his glory. The Bible tells us in, in the Old Testament that, that Israel uh, was for the praise of God's glory. Today it's the church, the body of Christ. We are to the praise of God's glory. And then I just want to remind you, if that's true, that we are his lot today. We are his heritage today. The praise of his glory. Then doesn't that bring the reality of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28? All things work together for good to those who love Christ, to those who are called, there's that word again, according to his purpose. God is at work. He is at work today. Take hope, take courage and confidence in that. God is at work today. He is still at work and he's at work in our lives and we are to live to the praise of his glory. We'll come back in our next lesson and pick up the, the next verse to the, where Paul talks about this uh, for you is here, the, the readers, and also a really important principle of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our eternal salvation. God bless you. Thanks for sharing this time with us today.